This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And what an episode we have in store for you today. Uh, we have the one, uh, the only uh, Lisa Brown from the Supported Living Gateway, I believe. And uh, you're going to be talking to us about what? Yeah, we'll tell you what, why are you here? Who are you? Uh, give us a bit of an overview. So my name's Lisa Brown. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And it's really, really lovely to be here. Um, my background is in nursing. I was a nurse for a long time. And then I um, went into a little bit of property, did a little bit of property developing, and then kind of ended up falling into doing supported living property developing, had loads of problems with it, and then set about with a group of um, other property investors to find a way to make it easier for um, property investors to access supported living and supported living providers to find property where they need it. So that's the ethos behind supported living gateway. And that's what I live and breathe at the moment. Can I ask, and I think it's really important, and I don't want to be too relevant or informative, (laughs) and dare I say it, educational here. Definitely not, no. But can you define supported living? Like, what is it? Yeah, absolutely. So supported living is um, a living arrangement for a tenant who has support needs of some sort. So they can be from a whole range of different things. They could be from someone who has really complex mental health challenges through to some people, someone who's been um, homeless for a while and needs some support to get back on their feet. So and the, the key thing that's separate and that differentiates it from a like a residential care home setting is that someone has a tenancy and then they have a their care provision is separate to that tenancy. So that's it in a nutshell really oh you're like a what's the word like a good warrior of property investing are we not all good warriors joe <laughs> no there really are some bad ones out there like we need more leases i think don't you think yeah i agree <laughs> I think the thing is, though, that property investors have a really bad reputation in the public, don't they? Everyone thinks that they're all money grabbing evil people. And actually, the majority of property investors really like the idea of doing something good with their property. That's what they want to do. And that's what, you know, and so actually it's flipping it around and showing people that actually property investors are really good people. And that's quite a hard concept. I think it's really difficult, actually, because I think my take on it is that actually, and this is based on just observations around what I see in certainly in my local investing areas is that most property investors are not good property investors and that's not because they're bad people it's just because mm. they it's something that they just do in as a side hustle it's something that they got into maybe years ago and just aren't giving the nation the accommodation that it needs and deserves mm. so I think actually those of us who are doing it right only represent like a super tiny amount but that community is on point like we are the good people we are the warriors and we are the ambassadors and the voice of what a landlord and a property investor and a property developer should look and walk like but Mm. that I don't think that's the majority so I think think it's really interesting because the what you're saying Joe is that we there's loads of us or there appears to be loads of us that are doing and want to do really good stuff 
But in the grand scheme of it, um, we represent the minority of okay. investors out there. Um, but it feels like we represent the majority because we're on, on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, and we're showcasing the good stuff that we're doing, our ethos and our vision. Um, but then there's all those other people out there that aren't on social media, or they're just watching and going, yeah, it's too much like hard work. I'm, it, you know, it's fine as it is. Or they're you know, busy, they've got families, you know, they've got life, they've got commitments, or they're just assholes, because let's face it, they exist too. But yeah. like, yeah, I do. I, I think we're quite special. I do. And I think you're, if I was to put you in the category of us and our world, you're like extra special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we all want to be we all want to be lisa <laughs> we do <laughs> that should be the title of this episode we all need to I be just written it down so we're either going to make you feel very uncomfortable by the end of this episode or with an inflated head one or the other <laughs> so lisa how can we all be a little bit more lisa well i guess um i guess the thing is it's about um finding out where properties are needed and and looking at not just letting properties to maybe shine not just shiny professionals and students actually thinking about you know our society is made up of far more diversity than that and actually everyone needs property don't they so it, it's it's actually thinking about who else um and how could you make your just even it just private rental properties actually how can you make them slightly more accessible how could you maybe um make that property so that someone who is a wheelchair user be able to use your ground floor flat or you know just actually thinking about the complexity of society in your property investing really i think it's brilliant Mm. It. I think it's so good. I think it's so important. I remember doing a course years ago that talked about design and creating high-end design that's universal so that it's it can service whatever tenant moves in, whether they do need some form of support or whether they are just what you would call an, an able-bodied tenant, mm. let's say. Or um, there was something else um, that really struck a chord with me and you've just literally brought it to mind. I, rem- I remember doing a big refurb and the building control office that came round and he was walking around and he said because I was having issues with this one room and like what I was going to do with it and he didn't quite like it he was kind of going down there you got to be careful this could be deemed as a self-contained unit blah 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 this and that and we were trying to label the tea and coffee facility room not the kitchenettes a certain way and he said have you thought about making this a separate unit because of where it's located in the property to actually be a wheelchair accessible space, because actually there's nothing like this in this area. There's nothing. And I was like, oh my God. And then that started me thinking about just much more universally accessible properties generally. I mean, I've done nothing about it. And I know I keep saying to you that I can see you, I know you're part of my strategy going forward. I know you are, but like, yeah, I, 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 I get it. And it should be the case. We should be factoring this in. It's just in new design, isn't it? It's just thinking about it. Sorry, now. No, 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 you're fine. That, that, I was just going to say, so why, why are more people not doing it? Why are more people not focusing on it? I think people are, there's, there's several issues on there. I think for the supported living stuff, I think people are scared of it. I think a lot of people um, think, oh, I'm not sure I want those kind of tenants. <laughs> they're they're going to be problems. Whereas actually the way that a lot of supported living is structured and the way that we do it is that actually the tenants, you're, you sit at the top as the landlord and actually it's an organisation who takes the property from you. So it's their responsibility to manage people. And so actually it becomes a really hands-off property investment from for you as just a standard property investor. But I think people, there's been... A, Obviously, the horror stories you hear people talking about. So people are scared of it and a bit unsure about it. 
And people also think they're going to get low, lower um, rents for their properties. People think they're only going to get um, like housing allowance rates. But actually, with most supported living schemes, you generally get market rent for a property. So I think they're two barriers. Um, and then I think why people aren't thinking about the accessibility stuff is that a lot of people, it just doesn't come to mind. Does it if, if you're um, and if no one in your family is disabled, if none of your friends have any disabilities, you don't think about it. You know, people swan through life without actually thinking how hard it is to navigate the world in a wheelchair or with, with a visual impairment or whatever the, the issue is. Yeah, that comes very nicely onto the most important question we ask, which is, you know, what does the human side of property mean to you? I guess to me, um, property is a really basic universal right isn't it when you look at those sort of Maslow's hierarchies of needs it's right there in the foundations isn't it it's access to safety and security and property is really key whether that's for work or for for living arrangements we all need safe shelter so I think access to it but making sure that everyone has a home that is a safe and secure for them whatever their needs are I think that's that's what's really really key to property to me I guess um I guess yeah, that's that makes makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, so it's actually, it's a universal right. Um, and I think a lot of landlords forget that um, as well. But also a lot of a lot of tenants forget that as well. Mm. Yeah. So um, cool. You, <clears throat> I think going back to what you were saying about why people don't often think about it, um, and certainly why a lot of property investors don't think about it, is because. <sighs> There's a lot of what we do, you know, is so it's based on numbers and it's based on demand. And, you know, it's based on kind of looking at, I guess, the broader picture. We always look at the broader picture and then the specificities always comes to like, does it stack as a project? Right. And and like you say, unless you've got a personal motivation, it's probably highly unlikely that you would go down this particular route. Um, but I also think, and I feel this is where I feel like a little bit, I suppose a bit of guilt is because I have a disabled brother. And that was one of the biggest reasons that I got into property in the first place as like a massive motivator. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because I was thinking about his accommodation needs. I was, well, it, it kind of was, but not putting him into accommodation. It was about having enough money and time to support him with his specific needs when my parents were no longer around. And I never forget, I met a couple once and they were talking about how they had given, and this was at a property networking meeting and they had actually had to give their son up um, to the, the, the care system because his autism was just so unmanageable. But what they had done, they still had regular contact with him, although they weren't his um, primary carers. What they'd done is the whole property strategy was built around providing accommodation for children with autism. And I was like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden I joined dots that I hadn't joined before but I've never done anything about it and so my journey has been very much about sort of you know charity starts at home getting everything sorted having the cash flow you know the demand the numbers the and my market's very much student market but now it's about going bigger and broader Mm. and thinking beyond those those factors and I think it is quite I don't think it's necessarily where a lot of people are going to start out I think it's where people evolve to which yeah abso- absolutely I don't think it's a beginner's property strategy necessarily I mean through the gateway you can list any kind of property so it kind of can be in that way but actually setting out with that intention to do a very adapted property perhaps is is more complex unless you've got personal experience and you kind of understand it and it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. it's yeah. interesting so mm. interesting mm. but what a great motivation for you Joe that's fabulous massive like mm. absolutely massive especially because his future care and his accommodation 
is such a big thing for me like it's huge anyone who knows me knows this is one of my biggest drivers like making sure that he transitions to some form of safe space mm. when his primary carers are my folks are no longer around um so yeah and as a sibling of someone of a disabled person that's a massive responsibility isn't it to grow up always knowing that that's gonna that's coming to you at some point in the future that's huge. it's a huge way it really yeah. is a huge way and I can't deny it um you know it's been the driving force the, the biggest driving force behind getting into property but there's it's really interesting it was just that guilt of like ah oh, but I never joined the dots it was about the money and the support mm. to provide him what he needed and the time freeing up me basically to yeah. support him but now I'm like no like make this part of your property strategy and it's like okay so now let's do that now that you kind of know how to do property stuff now now let's join those dots and mm. So that's why I keep in every single like social media post you ever put out there. I'm like, you're in my future. <laughs> you're there. Like, it's, I'm part of it. Like, it's so <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> it kind of seems to me like it is becoming much more um, popular is the wrong word, but it's much more widely known about this strategy that's available. It's become more public knowledge. So is it? I'm just wondering if that is because of the circles that we're involved with or whether it is actually becoming much more mainstream and people are much more aware of it and the need for it is it yeah it's difficult isn't it I'm not sure because I feel like I've been banging on about it when I so I did a bungalow for a young man with really complex needs and I had loads of problems doing it and that's kind of what started me on this bizarre kind of route that I've traveled this year but I I had loads and loads of problems with refinancing, lots of issues that you get with supported living. And I couldn't find anywhere to go to find out more information about it. And this was, you know, not that long ago. And and I started, so I started reaching out, talking to people, asking people questions. And that's when I kind of ended up forming this Facebook group and just getting more and more vocal about supported living. I, I do feel like there's more people are more talking about it. People have come together a bit more and are talking about it, which is brilliant. And I just think it, it can only be good, really. Yeah, you know. definitely. It seems like there's a, a huge demand for this. It's not going away in a hurry. No. So, you know, I think it's actually it's the same as all housing, really. You know, the need for housing is not going away in a hurry. And as, uh, as you know, pe- there are more and more people with complex needs that need to be to be housed. And um, I think it's an amazing thing, which, you know, something, something that Nan and I definitely have been, um, we almost did a scheme uh, last year which was um, a, a down, these, down this road, um, mm. something we actively, similar to Jay, um, want to include um, within our strategy. So it's, uh, you know, providing, we've always known that we wanted to provide this really nice high-end um, HMOs, co-living stuff that we develop. Um, but, um, but knowing also that, that it's not just about that, that it is about the, um, you know, the people that actually need housing, probably more so than those that, you know, if they weren't living in a, this house here, oh, they could go and, you know, crash on someone's floor or in their, in their you know, parents' house. Whereas it's a lot harder for those, those with those needs to, to, um, to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think similar to you, Lisa, we, at that point, we really didn't know where, where to turn to, to, to get support or to ask for help right. or to get guidance on. We were just kind of like stumbling around in the dark. Um, yeah. The deal fell through in the end, which is why it didn't progress. Um, and we probably would have got there in the end, but it was just felt like we had this mountain to climb of knowledge that we were just, we had no idea where we were going to get it from. No, and it's really hard to try and find the right answers to things because you'll have the 
providers will have this amazing gold standard that they might want but actually you know it's like asking what would you like well I'd like gold plated taps you know and, and so there, there has to be some kind of balance where actually <laughs> yeah it's got to be fu functional and it's got to be good and it's got to work but actually it's also got to stack as a property deal like you were saying Joe. so it yeah kind of... but it's also got to be like and this is another thing as well as soon as somebody has a need right and it's labeled as such whether it's visible or invisible there's this kind of I don't know, assumption in the background, certainly from certain, I don't know, maybe it's society or, or maybe it's even on the investor side and I'm being quite broad brush here, is that it has to be somehow clinical. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it sort of lacks oh, yeah. that warmth or that kind of priority of yeah. design mm -hmm. um, or the designer cup becomes about the function, not the, the aesthetic right and especially I mean if you think about um certainly mental health and you think about the importance of an aesthetic in a space and how that can calm the mind and how your space is a sanctuary for example you know like I guess you must this must be a frustration I guess you find with existing supported living housing stock maybe or kind of getting the message out there that it needs to sort of satisfy the function and the yeah, design as well absolutely it's and it's really you know because if you ask a clinician for a spec they'll give you a hospital spec <laughs> they'll give you an nhs board yeah. right and it will look like a hospital bathroom and you're like actually this yeah. is someone's home it needs to look like somebody's home so getting that balance right is really tricky but i think you know that's that's people with more complex and challenging needs perhaps but at the other end of the spectrum you've got teenagers leaving the care system okay. who actually just need a really beautiful HMO mm. actually you know to, to call home with good communal space and actually that doesn't really need uh, for the majority care leavers you know that doesn't need much adaptation obviously there are care leavers with disabilities too where you might need to put some adaptations in but you know that and there's a whole spectrum of people who need support but actually don't need adaptive properties they just need really good quality safe properties you yeah. know mm. Do you find that some of the providers have unrealistic expectations of what they're trying to get out of property so um, I suppose the, at the level of adaptation, um, it does it get to a point where it becomes unviable as the investor developer to actually create it without feeling like it's like it has to be a charitable um, uh, like venture. Um, there, when you're looking at those very very adaptive properties, there's, yeah. there's specialist funding that can be put in place to fund some of those adaptations. So that doesn't have to come just from the property investor. So if you if you're doing a property for a named individual, you know it's going to be one person's home. It's not going to be a transition property or something. Then, yeah. then there is um, access to really specific funding that can fund some of those very high level adaptations. And certainly that bungalow that I talked about at the beginning, there was a lot of very special adaptations to that, and a lot of that was grant funded. The really the high end stuff. Otherwise, yeah, you, you can have made it stack at all mm. interesting yeah so that, that's the other thing i think is that people some people think oh i have to do that as as a um kind of a corporate you know csr you have to that has to be the the charitable arm of what i'm doing yeah. um, whereas actually it doesn't have to be that uh, at all does it it can yeah, just be part of a broader um strategy i think fact, i think most, we yeah in fact most of our supported living properties that we're looking at they're better they work out be you're better off financially than you would be on the open market for most of them because you're not responsible for voids you're not responsible for damages you're not responsible for you're not paying letting agents or managing the property yourself actually and you're still getting market rent so actually it can stack very very well you know 
Brilliant. Yeah. Let's definitely mm. chat. <laughs> but I mean, we're all just going to be clawing at her. Perfect. Because, I like, love it. <laughs> so... There's a reason we asked you on here today. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not, not for our listeners. It's like, so, Lisa, so um, what about properties in this area? Let's take the ones that maybe aren't working so well. <laughs> but actually, on that note, because that's true, isn't it? It's not just about taking something new and, mm. you know, creating it for um, that particular moment market space it's actually existing stuff that you perhaps have that would be ideally suited right yeah absolutely and that's that's what we're doing with the gateways it's basically like a matchmaking service for people yes. with property and the providers looking for them because mm. often the time scales don't work for you to buy and adapt a property for somebody so or buy the property even just going through legals so you know, a lot of our providers actually need property in a month's time or a few weeks time. So actually that they don't have the timescales to hang around whilst you purchase the property for them. So actually they want to be able to see a list of properties that they could get hold of quickly. So exactly. That's what that's what we've done with the gateways, just trying to bring those those people together to make it easier for everyone. Oh, God. And how, how does one access the, the gateway? Just we don't normally have um, they kind of promote that much. But actually, I think it's this is quite an important thing to for people to be aware of. Yeah. How does someone yeah. get access to that? It's just it's just called www.supportedlivinggateway.com and you can just find all, all the information should be on the website as to how to how to get on and, and access it. So thank you. Great. Brilliant. Get on you, you little warrior. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you call it? Like the, the good warrior? <laughs> good warrior of property. <laughs> She's got this huge title now. <laughs> uh, there's, there's two potential amazing episode titles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've yeah. had another one come into my head as well. I'll, I'll, I'll try and remember it. <laughs> Can't be that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly true. I was so into the conversation, it slipped out of my head. You know me. Oh, God. All right. So, should, we, should we ask her then? <laughs> I think oh, yeah. Have... Yes, we have to do that bit now. I think you've got a question for us, haven't you, Ooh, Lisa? Yeah. So this is completely unproperty related. It's about. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I was going to say, we've, got, we've gone far too relevant, well, far too far educational. Serious, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, so yeah, it's about random lockdown purchases, about what's, what's something that you've ended up buying this year that you would never have envisaged that you were going to buy if it hadn't been for what 2020 threw at you. Oh, my goodness. It's a good uh, question. I'm looking around the room to see if anything pops out at me here. Oh, my God. Do you know what I ended up buying? Because, like, my life just it ended up on Zoom. I ended up buying things like, you know, ring lights and, yeah. and like, portable desks and um, what else? And, um, yeah, and, and oh, God, um, where is it? Hit this. This was a purchase. This little stand so that I could do more video work. And, yeah, Amazon got a lot of money off of me over lockdown because I suddenly realised I had to be screen ready. And mm. I was not screen ready. None of us were, were we? No. No. I, to, I don't think I purchased anything relating to that because I've got a few bits and bobs anyway. Yeah, you're um, it, was just, you? it was just repurposing what I've got. Uh, and my ring light is still in a box somewhere. I, I think I got it out once. <laughs> yeah well um yeah because it just didn't seem to to fit in in the space but uh, um what have i bought a lot of a lot of wine <laughs> it's not unusual um, though, Matt. No, i'm just trying to think of things which are ab ab abnormal um i wouldn't have bought a zoom professional i bought a zoom professional again again just related to the continuation of business something which is more interesting i'm trying to think i've got a cat He's not going to have a cat. Is this a new cat? No, I didn't buy a cat. No, he's just making a huge amount of noise down here. You fed you. What's up? 
<laughs> I can't think of anything either different that I've bought. Um, like Joe, I bought a, a little tripod thing, and then I found a massive tripod, which is featured in the podcast a few times. Okay. Yeah, it's it normally sucks, standing sucks in the corner. <laughs> we wonder why he's got a tripod in the corner of his spare bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I don't think I've actually bought anything that's silence. <laughs> I bought loads of clothes. Have you? Yeah, I haven't. Loads. No. Do you know what? No I haven't even. I've. I have had one. Only bought one takeaway throughout the whole of lockdown. Well, I can. I can definitely say that Uber Eats is, some, is um, a very good friend of mine now. They give me discounts all the time. It's so tempting. Obviously. I'm in deepest Devon. We don't have Uber Eats where I am. Oh, really? Whereabouts in deepest Devon? I'm coming to Devon on Friday. Oh, are you? Oh, fabulous. Oh, yeah. We've got, we've got a flat there. My other half is from there. So, um, yeah, we have a Newton Abbott. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's like 20 minutes away. There you go. Yeah. Socially distanced. Newton Abbott and Chudley. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, we're just sort of between Totnes and Payton, so not far. Ah. Yeah. Yes, I, I know it. Going and, back uh, to purchases, I bought loads of hats. Loads. Loads of clothes, loads of hats. Hats. Um, hats. Bought loads of hats. Yeah. N- and Niall knows this because Niall and I had a socially distanced date the other night and um, he came round and I gave him a full-blown fashion display of some more clothes that I bought recently. It was like a mini catwalk. It was. <laughs> Were you expecting that, or was that a whole new? Thing? I was not expecting it, but it was. No. It was entertaining. It was and entertaining. I bought him his second takeaway of lockdown as well. So yeah, you did mm-hmm. you did? Oh, you I bought some gorilla tape. Okay. <gasps> yes. Why? Can't remember. <laughs> I bought gorilla glue actually, because half of my bench fell off in my kitchen, so I had to gorilla glue I, it back on. I think it's because our the, our kitchen t- uh, chairs in their kitchen are being used a lot more with us working from home and being at home and they're starting to fall apart. So I had to tape them together because I was too miserable to buy new chairs. <laughs> Matt, you bought a standing desk. No, I think I didn't buy the standing desk. I, I created a standing desk from um, a two-tier keyboard stand that I have. So when I used to gig oh. um, with two keyboards, uh, I used to have one down here and then one up here. So, I, so what I did is I got the carpenter on our most recent project to cut me uh, a bit of leftover wood to size. So I've got two desks. Um, okay, so I didn't buy one. I just I just created one. Um, okay. So, but uh, yeah. Oh, God, should... just had something else that's come to mind. I don't know if I should say it out loud on the podcast, oh, yeah. but now what were you going to say? Because maybe I'll I'll, I'll I'll give this two seconds. Thought. Mine was going on a completely different tangent. So as you were, Joe, I'm, I'm, well, I'm something... intrigued now. Well, there was, I can give you a bit, a little, little longer. There was something else that, um, that I bought, which has just gone out of my head as well. Oh, God. <laughs> what's wrong with us today it's all the soup we were slurping before we came on the podcast <laughs> i've bought i've bought a lot more in tesco's than i normally would bought a lot more food no toilet rolls no stocking of toilet rolls no i didn't do, do you know what actually i have just bought a four-person desk which i would not have bought otherwise what's a four-person okay. de- like, a desk for four people yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 it's it has to be really yeah, so our, our home office is about to be inundated with people. So um, we are making ourselves a COVID-safe work environment. And uh, yes, we've got two members of staff that are starting in the home office. Four-person desk. Okay, yeah, that's, that's quite right. Definitely would not have bought that without lockdown. No, no. Um, uh, no. So I bought, you know when you're like, it was lockdown one, and you're watching crap on Netflix, but you're also on your phone. So you're mm-hmm. just giving nothing adequate attention and you're just 
on Amazon and it's dangerous, right? So that's that's setting the scene. And I was trying to, I was thinking about fitness because absolutely adamant I was not going to get fat over lockdown. I decided I was going to do home workouts. I was like in the, so I was very much about weight control and fitness, okay? And I ended up buying a cavitation machine. A what? A what? A cavitation (laughs) machine. What is this? Do you speak English? (laughs) Create cavities? No. It fires infrared beams through your cavities, I suppose is one way to look at it. So basically you apply it to to problem fat areas and it, it, it applies either a high vibration or an infrared light and you just sort of roll it over target areas, arms, legs, ass, whatever, for like half an hour. And you were supposed to do that maybe twice to three times a week. Yeah. There you go. I, I learned what a cavitation machine was. Yeah, and now we all have, and I feel yeah. so much more enlightened as a result. <laughs> I'm going to get you one for Christmas now. Well, you can't be fat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, on a similar thread, I didn't buy a machine, but I did sign up to like an isogenics thing. Oh, yes. Isogenics is like this nutrition juice diet thing for uh, a month. I'm on you, it right now. Where you only have like, um, you have a juice for breakfast, a juice for lunch, and then a normal dinner. Okay, the Irish one's saying juice. It's actually a shake. Yeah, it's a big, big juice. <laughs> it's a shake. Well, well potato, potato, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right so, I'm gonna, so, so just bring this back to a bit of normality. Lisa, what have you bought? Because obviously the question's sprung from somewhere. Have you bought oh, yeah. something? So we ended up buying a secondhand hot tub, which I would never, ever have bought in a million years. But we, this was going to be our year of take. I've got two teenage boys and we haven't really travelled with them or taken them anywhere. And I'd travelled quite a lot before I had kids. And so it's like, right, this year we're going to get out and we've got exciting holidays booked. But obviously 2020 had other plans. So um, with the cancellation money from one of the holidays, we were like, oh, we're not going away. We live somewhere amazing and I was like actually why oh hot tubs you know and so yeah so we um we ended up buying a dodgy secondhand it's not dodgy it's actually it's all right but a secondhand hot tub on Facebook marketplace I've got images <laughs> nice. of it being like quite crusty and so I'm sure it wasn't no no like... it's not it's, it was quite clean there was okay, always that risk that it was going to be like something did oh, you yeah. did you actually give it a, a proper once over clean when you had it gave you a bit of a scrub and to be fair yeah. the people who bought it from were lovely and they cleaned it all oh, out. you trust them you get the vibe really that they nice. went when, there was no when you meet buy stuff on Facebook marketplace you never quite is it going to mm. be but, lovely begs the question Surely the lockdown, especially the lockdown that we had in 1.0, where it was beautiful. Surely you keep your hot tub. Why are they selling a hot tub? They, they said they weren't using it enough. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, it was for, so for us, it's great. I've got, as I said, I've got two teenage boys and they don't really speak. They hide behind screens as much of as course. they can. But you can't be behind a screen in a hot tub. We discovered this on holiday a while ago. We hired a cottage that had a hot tub and everyone suddenly spoke to each other. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's kind of part of the motivator was actually we'll pretend we're on holiday yeah. by having a hot tub. So you, should, so you put the telly up in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a screen-free hot tub. Love it, love it. Great. No, it's cool. Yeah. I'm very, very covert of you. I like it. Well done, Mum. It's clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll probably <laughs> listen to it. Oh, they won't listen. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're so rumbled. You're yeah. so rumbled. <laughs> <laughs> Let's encourage family communication through bubbles. Yes. <laughs> 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 and, and not lockdown bubbles no. yeah not lockdown, lockdown bubbles not, no, not lockdown although that bubbles. always works in a hot tub to be fair yeah 
Mm-hmm. Well, I was Damn. thinking, I was thinking prosecco, but oh, bubbles plus oh, bubbles. Like that kind of bubbles, not in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. not in a not in a lockdown bubble. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about the lockdown bubble. I, you yeah. were alcohol with me because yeah. you and I have the same brain. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Too many bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so I think I think we're probably time for a bit of uh, episode roulette, Jay. Yeah, so um, I know you've listened to the podcast before, Lisa, but um, for those of you who aren't familiar with episode roulette and how it works, what we do is we ask our special guest, uh, well, I scroll through uh, various episodes of Property Jam, the guest says stop, and then we list the title, and we ask the guest's opinion on that title, not the content of that episode, because that would be evil. So we're going to do, I'm going to start scrolling, Lisa, so tell me when to stop when you're ready. Stop. Okay. Oh, it's an interesting one, actually. Yeah. Episode 16, Back to Work Blues. Hmm. So I think we recorded this in, yeah, January of this year. And January, it was all about of, just, January of 2020. Yeah. So it was all about going back to work after like Christmas and stuff. But I suppose it's a... But bearing in mind that this episode is going out on the 11th of January, a lot of people might be feeling the back to work blues. There you go. Hmm. what's the thoughts on it I mean what's what do you consider work I suppose really at the moment I'm working bonkers hours because we're bringing a new business into life and I just seem to every minute of every day that I have I'm I'm working on the gate rate I guess um back to work blues I I I guess it's that feeling you like when I um was nursing you'd get that slight heart sink when you're back at work tomorrow and although I've always I've been really lucky and I've always loved every job that I've done I've been really 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 lucky in that that but um I guess it's it's that kind of heart sink feeling of oh I'm back yeah especially after Christmas right yeah yeah and again you see nursing you never get all of Christmas and New Year off so you're always everyone else is off and having this lovely time but you don't get that when you're nursing because actually you've carried on working all the way through while everyone else is off so you know you get the odd days off but it's yeah so I've, I've never had that huge like January feeling that the rest of society had about oh we're all back to it now because generally you're always carrying on through you're also, you're also assuming there that people you know most people have a jolly good time over christmas and um don't want to go back to work i think there's a probably a, a portion of society that's like get me out of <laughs> out of this house right now get me kept back to work especially with the uh, you know lockdown starting to you know ease and um i think there's a lot of people like i need to go and work in an office i just have to work in an office i can't work from home anymore give me that office (laughs) although do you know the most depressing thing about that i remember when i used to work in an office is that if you were the one that were kind of you know trapped into that between christmas and new year shift right so i used to work at a university and I, i ended up going in for like two days or something and you go into a pretty empty office that's covered in Christmas decorations after Christmas, but before New Year, it's probably one of the most dismal experiences. Like it's just awful. It's fun because you actually don't do any work and you maybe talk to like two other people that are in there, but it's really a depressing environment to be in. I used to work for a, um, for an out of hours call handling service for um, the out of hours GP. Did you? So um, I did. Ooh. Yeah, I did this. It was uh, over Christmas and uh, well at university. My mum was, I think was the medical director of this out of hours um, service and um, so they would draft us in to do extra shifts and we did some training and, and it wasn't rocket science really um, uh, picking up the phone having a conversation but I, I remember over Christmas and New Year's I'm um, getting like triple time for doing those those shifts um, so they so, uh, were like yeah so uh, I'm just gonna go and work now um, on Boxing Day I'm gonna yeah <laughs> 
Oh, but have you ever worked on Christmas Day? Have you ever worked on Christmas Day? Other than having to go around for that boiler situation, which I just still think is one of my favourite stories ever. Like, have you ever had to work work on Christmas Day? I've I've had to work on Christmas Day. No, I I think, I can't remember whether I did on one of those, but yeah. Niall, did you, what were you doing? Yeah, when I worked in the pub. So they would have, the pub would open for three or four hours in the middle of the day. It wasn't like a long shift, but you would still, you have to be in an hour before to set up and a couple of hours after to clean up and everything so you were there for a good six seven hours even though the pub's only open for two or three hours of course yeah. and lisa when you were a nurse did you ever have to work Christmas? yeah 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 i done quite a lot of christmases um christmases new years i went millennium new year even the mug that did that i was given literally a mug as a thank you from the hospital <laughs> <laughs> was that the straw that broke the camel's back and you're like damn this i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> no, I did many years after that, but it was just funny. I was like, here, here's your really, here's your mug. Thanking you for giving up your millennium. <laughs> did you miss much? That's the question. We went out to the car park and watched one solitary firework go off in Hackney and then went back into work. So it was a bit random. Well, to be fair, was it my millennium, my millennium new year? I would think I would have preferred a mug from the NHS to my experience, actually, because I was with an ex-boyfriend and all we did was row. Like, honestly, I was in his Ford Fiesta with a picnic that he didn't eat that I was, we ended up just rowing at the bells and I just ended up in tears and I was all dressed up in his Ford Fiesta. It was the worst new year ever. So yeah, I'd have taken a mug from from our good old NHS over that experience all I day guess long. The expectation was so high, wasn't it, that you must have this most amazing mm. thing? Hundred percent. Yeah, oh, just the worst. Okay, should we go back to? Um... Oh yeah, sorry, off topic. No, it's fine. This is what it's all about, right? Okay, so I am scrolling. Stop. Okay. Ah, oh, interesting. Matt's favourite. Episode 22, FOMO. So fear of missing out. Do you suffer from it? Do I? Not badly, I don't think. I think, um, yeah, that's quite tricky, isn't it? I don't think, yeah, you hear people who really, really, I, I do if I feel like it might be, I suppose I do a bit. It's quite a good way. It's a good sales pitch, isn't it, FOMO? You know, someone else is doing something, oh, actually, I, want, I wish I'd done that. I want to find out more about it. Mm. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't. It's not a massive, not massive for me, I guess. I guess it's. I think part of that might come from the fact that what you do is quite unique. So I I suppose in terms of competition is the wrong word, but Mm -hmm. other peak, I guess, key people who are doing what you are doing isn't necessarily so obvious or visual. So Mm. that you're, you're quite sort of, well, you're a warrior, aren't you? We've decided that. So you're just (laughs) trailblazing your way through a whole strategy that isn't (laughs) mainstream, I guess. And so, I suppose FOMO only matters when you see something that actually means something to you or strikes a chord because it looks like someone's doing it better or differently and you hadn't thought of it or whereas I suppose it's quite different with you because you've created something because it did exist really. Although FOMO is kind of part uh, about feeling part of a community feeling what you know feeling wanted in a way so if someone uh, if you're just go back to being a kid you know you want to be part of the group um you don't want to be the one that's left out so i think that um fomo can be part of that as well so mm. um having you know, being part of a group can help with with fomo um so but well, well a supportive group yeah, yeah, the, yeah the right being group. in the right group yeah yeah, yeah. The right group. yeah being in the a supported group. living group oh you're so good Matt. that was great <laughs> well he's done, here all day folks well done <laughs> all right so one more okay uh, one more speed round 
Okay, right. Let me just, um, oh, my phone's locked. Okay, right. Okay. Go, Lisa, go. Stop. Whoa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What happened there? (laughs) It was like a, it was so good. Ah, episode nine, getting the deals. Now, this is going to be quite interesting. Mm. Getting, getting the deals. The deals. Do I get any clue or is it just getting the deals? I think for us, we... <laughs> <laughs> for us, no, this, no clue. No clue. No, okay. We still don't have a clue. How do you find oh. deals? So in this oh. episode, all we did was talk about like um, how we've personally approached finding property deals. And oh. so, yeah. I guess it's just um, things that other people can't see the value of. So I've got a social club at the moment we're converting. We've, oh, it's nice. gone in for planning. By the time this is released, hopefully we'll have got the planning um, to 13 one-bed flats for supported living. And again, that had been on the market age no one could see the value in the property because it was in a bit of a rough area it was a bit of a dodgy old building but it was on a big site there was lots of potential for the site so I guess it's it's being able to see different look at buildings in a different way I guess is is the way to find deals isn't it I think that's where property investors who can find things that's that's generally how good sources or investors you know Mm. yeah excellent Active, I guess. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And just, just a random question on that. When you apply for planning for supported living for one bed flats, is it specifically supported living when you apply for planning? So I've put in for um, just general residential, but as a justification why it's all one bed flats, because the local authority would have said, you know, yeah. their initial feedback was they'd want it to be two and three bed flats and a mixture of one, two and threes. Um, and so therefore the justification is that actually we need it to be one beds because it suits the care needs and the and the, the tenants will be living in the property so yeah you, it's residential but we, you add in additional information like support from the local authority as to why you want it to be like that and i would mm. imagine planning look quite favorably on projects like yours simply because the, i'm sure the need is is so great but also they can kind of talk to each other within the can well you'd assume mm-hmm. actually yeah, council departments never <laughs> what am i talking about yeah, yeah. So, so in theory that would be lovely but wouldn't it completely separate departments aren't they and and actually they're right, and that's right because actually planners need to stick to the planning rules and and enforce those and you know look at them independently to what's going on but um i i think if you've got good justification and you're meeting a need within the city it, it hopefully it does help and helps to smooth the path a little bit yeah for sure yeah it's great Brilliant. well on that note uh, i think we're going to wrap up for today um so that will be a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me and goodbye from me the warrior herself. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at propertyjampodcast at outlook.com. See See you on the next episode. episode.